Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Key for all of us is practicing faithfulness. I told someone that right before church we had a discussion, and that's, that's a challenge for most humans, is let me get right with God by faith, and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of what I've done, what he's done, but now let me practice my faithfulness because he's faithful. What's practicing faithfulness? I told someone this. is this simple. I'm not even going to give you all the five things we do as believers. Real simple. Stay connected at a church. Read your Bible. Pray. The big three. That simple. Because you'll hear people say, well, I serve God at home. Mm. I've never met anyone who serves God like they should at home so, by yourself. So, so you gotta, you got to seek God and, and, and practice faithfulness. So tonight, if there's no other good news, that was great news. Let's get into Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I believe I'm going to start with verse 31 tonight. Now this, you need to get in Romans chapter 8 if you have never read it before. I know we got folks in here who've read through their Bibles many times. There's those who've read through part of their Bible. Some who've read through certain books. Get into Romans chapter 8 when you can. That chapter is power-packed. Um, it's, it's just one of those chapters in the Bible. It's one powerful sentence after another. Tonight we're going to start with Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, there's the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome. You say, the church, did they have a real big stadium that they all met as believers? No. The, ch the stadium in Rome was used to kill believers. The Roman Colosseum, they threw believers out there to the lions. So modern days in America, times of freedom of, oh, I go to church, they got a big old building like this, or man, uh, Pastor Joel Osteen's church, they 40,000 people over there. No, stadiums were used to kill Christians back then. So the church in Rome was the body of Christ in Rome. Believers, they hid out like they do in China. Like the, They call it the underground church. They hide in basements, street corners. They talk about Jesus. Did you know in China today, even today, where Christianity in many forms in China is illegal, they share pages of the Bible and they memorize them. They pass around a page of the Bible that they have. Say, there's not enough Bibles to go around, so you can have page 8, 9, 19, which is Romans chapter uh, 9 and 10. And they pass it around, they memorize it, and they learn it. Can you imagine? We're in a free country here, praise God, for now. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. God, it's a gift that God has given us. In the time of this writing, at the time of this writing, Christians were, were worshiping illegally. All right. But I will say this. The Roman Empire, which is arguably uh, not too much of an argument, though, the greatest empire in the history of mankind. Some say they went as long as twenty five hundred years, depending on how you measure it from what period to what period. The Roman Empire went at least a thousand years. America is at how, how long now? Two hundred and forty four years officially. Two forty four. And we've seen that we have our issues. They went a thousand years plus, all right? But in that empire, they said, we're going to stamp out Christianity. They tried. Nero, one of the most satanic emperors in history, he would kill Christians. He did awful things to them. I'm not going to tell you all the things he did to Christians. 
But he ended up not faring very well. God dealt with him, and Christianity continued. And then other emperors came up and attacked Christianity, and they just could not beat Christianity until Emperor Constantine, in around 300 A.D., maybe 313 A.D., he said, you know what? His mom was a God-fearing woman. He said, we're going to stop. We're going to give people in the Roman Empire the freedom to worship God. And he declared himself as a believer, which is powerful. Now, some years later, they made Christianity the state religion. Mm, not the best idea, because then they started per persecuting people who did not worship Jesus, which is a bad idea, too. All right. But here's my point. I wanted to give you some historical background here. This was written at a time when Christians were being persecuted. And look at what the apostle said here. Romans 8.31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And we're going to hesitate on this verse for a moment. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Wow. When it comes down to it, if you were ever thrown in prison for your faith and it was just you in prison with your faith, God is enough. If God be for you, who can be against you? All right? I'm going to go ahead and read through the whole text and then we'll come back to this. Let's go on to verse 32. Since he did not, even, he, he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Wow. Verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. That's powerful. Who then will condemn us? No one, he says again. For Christ died, Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor where? At God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? This is powerful. Really listen in here. Make sure you've really, you're really locking in, engaging, and focusing on this. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Wow. No, despite all these things, there's a verse you should be memorizing. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Despite all of it, victory is yours. You're going to win. And I'm convinced, look at this, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Powerful. Nothing can separate you from His love. Verse 39, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But did you notice the Apostle Paul did not, admit, did not mention the gift from God that we have in being able to choose? Notice that God in the Garden of Eden never forced Adam and Eve to serve him, did he? He gave him the ground rules, and he said, you can have anything and everything except for that tree. That's it. They probably had millions of trees to choose from, but don't mess with that one tree. Of course, what do we as humans say? But I want what I can't have. I want the forbidden fruit. That's where that term comes from. Forbidden fruit is the thing that God said. You can have anything, anything. Except for that. There's limits and there's boundaries. We're talking about that on Sundays. There's limits and there, there's boundaries. Don't mess with that. 
because the day you do, you will surely die. He gave us from the start. He gave us a choice. That's the God you serve, the God I serve. That's an amazing thing that God who loves you so much said, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to let you choose to love me or not. That's powerful. So we know that we as humans, we as believers can reject God or accept when he's pulling on your heart because he's going to pull on your heart. I was telling someone today, he's pulling on you right now. But you can reject that. You've seen people around you, you say, man, God's been working on them for years and they're rejecting God. Yeah, but when is going to be the last time God calls them? That's what freaks me out. I don't know about you, but I remember thinking back in the day, what if, what if I kept messing around and God's spirit stopped pulling on my heart? Then what? That's where you're in danger, right? Or he's still pulling on your heart and you just can't feel it anymore. But obviously, those listening in, those showing up at church, Sundays, Wednesdays, connect groups, you're like, man, I'm hungry for God. God's still pulling on you. He's pulling on you. He's pulling on you. You say, man, I haven't done it all right. Ah, but he's, remember, nothing can separate you from his love. He's got a plan for you. Don't you give up. He's just getting started with you. So let's go back to the beginning of our text. Romans 8, 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now I'm going to come a little, little close to you guys just for a little bit tonight, and I want to talk to you about something that's very important and very dear to my heart. And that is, I, let me start with a question. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt, whether it was true or not, like it was you against the world? <laughs> I think they've written songs about that. Me against the world. Well, usually it's not completely true if you get all the facts, probably. But we as humans, we've all been in a position before we said, man, it's me against the whole world. I'm just struggling. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm having a hard time. Well, I have good news for you. This verse says, once again, Romans 8.31, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? You need to remember that. You, remember, you need to remember that God is for you, right? According to this verse. Jesus says, I am with you always, right? So we know God is for you and he is with you. And now once you've accepted Jesus, he comes to live within you by the Holy Spirit. And now he lives within you. So God is for you. He is with you. And now he lives inside of you. You can't beat that. That's a winning combination. So if you ever get down in the dumps and say, man, it feels like everything's piling up. I feel overwhelmed. I feel despair. I feel a little depressed or I don't know what's going on. I'm struggling here. Just remember, God is for you. God is with you. And now by faith, because of your confession of Jesus as your Savior, he now lives within you. Okay? He's for you. He's with you. And he lives inside of you. Very, very, very important. So don't ever, don't ever, ever let your mind beat you up and don't ever let the, the enemy lie to you that, man, it's me against the world. There's nobody. No, we just proved tonight that there's somebody here for you. You're in a room with people. It's not many people, but there's someone on your side in the fight against sin, in the fight for life, right? Scripture says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Say, wait. How, wait, righteous people go through something? Yeah, Jesus said, in this world you ha will have trouble. He said, be encouraged, for I have overcome the world, but you're going to have trouble in this world. I've seen people come to the Lord and say, man, I, I, 
I have no more problems. Well, comparatively speaking, you don't have problems because now you say, God's going to take care of everything and I'm on my way to heaven, but you're still going to face stuff every day. Little issues, things that irritate you, things that frustrate you. Let's see if I can get anyone to share tonight a little bit. Don't, don't worry, I ain't going to pressure you into anything. What is something that has irritated you lately? Don't Please don't tell me about your spouse if they're sitting near you or, or, or your close friend if they're sitting near you. Um, what is something that you've dealt with lately that irritated you and you were like, it's just, it's just life. I'll tell you first. We got, a, we, we got a good deal on it, but it was still good money. We paid to have a fence placed in our backyard. Well, the guy that did the fence agreed to put in a gate. Well, he had a buddy come up and subcontract, and the guy made us a crooked gate. <laughs> Tony's already shaking his head. And you know how it is dealing with some folks. They make, you, they make something that you're paying for, and they say, no, bro, it's because it has a trick. you got to lift it, go to the left, and put your knee in it, or use some stupid thing. And you, everybody knows that. In Spanish, they say, es que tiene un truco. It has a trick. One man of God told me, he said, bro, I don't want a trick. I want it right. This ain't trick or treat. Get it right. I'm paying you money. Get it right. Well, he said, no, here's what we're doing. We put the gate in. I was like, bro, it's crooked. The guy explained to me how basically it was my head, I guess, because he said, no, it's straight because this pole's straight and that pole's straight. I said, yeah, but the poles connecting the other poles, they're crooked. I can see them. He said, no, it can't be. I said, I'm looking at it right here. So I didn't argue with him long. Scripture says, agree with your adversary quickly. So I just said, man, this guy became an adversary, I guess. <laughs> Wanted to go right in the stomach. But I said, okay, this is messed up. And then they attached a wire with a little thing you could tweak on the gate because it's a block fence. And so you're going to have to tweak this until it gets right. Well, it turned out you had to mess with that every time or the gate wouldn't even open. So it was just a bad job. The hinges were coming out. The gate was crooked. They came back, replaced the hinges. Then the gate didn't fit on the hinges. Yeah. Finally, we just said, we're going to have to just cut our losses. I'm going to get someone I trust. They will build me a custom gate, put it on there. It took him a, a week and a half, but he did a pretty darn good job. Finally got a guy we trusted. He says, Pastor Matt, why didn't you come to me first? I don't know. Let's just do the gate. I don't know. I repent. I, I, I don't know. I told my wife, man, I'm just ready to fight someone. Oh, it was so frustrating. So that was mine, and that's life, isn't it? That's life. Does that mean that God is not for me? No. We made some decisions. I made some decisions, and they weren't all correct. Some were great. One situation with good decisions and bad decisions. Has anybody had something that irritated them lately? You don't have to go into detail if you don't want. Only if you want. Anybody. You're like, oh, it just, oh. But it's life, and in this world, you will have trouble. Anybody. All right. You don't have to, but I'm just opening the floor. I'm Headed back over here. All right. Life happens. Stuff irritates you. The gas gauge breaks on the car or the battery dies. We had a vehicle. Check this out. Barry was involved in this one with me. We didn't know. Barry's very car savvy. And so you go to your car savvy friends. And in uh, 2010, I believe it was summer of 2010, Barry and, I, Barry and I switched out the battery on, at the time, my wife and I had a GMC Envoy. We didn't know this with this vehicle, and I guess this is rare. But if you take out the battery and replace it without leaving the car on or leaving it connected to a power source, 
it burns out something, I believe, if my memory serves me properly, something called the actuator. Don't know why. It burns it out, and then it affects your air conditioning. So the air conditioning doesn't blow out here. It blows out only through the top. We couldn't regulate the air in the car. Weird. All because we turned off the vehicle like normal humans do to replace the battery. Well, we didn't know that. Well, it cost money to fix it. Well, years later, I replaced the battery because of that struggle, right? Life happens. Life has its challenges, ups and downs, and it's hard. But after spending all that money to fix that, years later, I took the, the vehicle to replace the battery, and I told the guys, I said, you cannot turn the vehicle off. This was a mechanic. I said, you can't turn the vehicle off when you take the battery out. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, it'll cause a problem. And here's me. I don't know anything about cars except they need oil changes, and you need to put gas in them. And you need to vacuum them sometimes. And don't drive over nails. Just real limited kind of ignorant situation there. But here I am. Because of the trouble I had gone through, you guys feel me? Many times we learn through trouble, huh? But if God be for us, who can ever be against us? If you take every, every situation as an opportunity to learn, you say, man, wait, this is an opportunity for me to get better at this, to learn something. So I learned from our situation in replacing the battery in 2010. I believe it was 2017. That battery went seven years, praise God. I took the vehicle to York Tire. Great folks there. The mechanic guy came out and said, I'm going to change the battery. I said, great. I said, leave the vehicle running. He said, what? I said, you've never left a vehicle like I really knew much, right? I said, well, you mean you've never left a vehicle running while you took the battery out? He said, no, I didn't know you could do that. He's a lot younger than me. I said, yeah, leave the vehicle on. Trust me. Take the battery out. Put a new one in for me. What are you? I said, try me. Let's, I'm going to start it up. Take the battery out. You'll see it keeps running. It's going to be all right. That, that, uh, what's the thing that burns out? The alternator. That's another fun thing. I said, that'll keep the vehicle going. Swatch out, swap out the battery for me or we're going to have a problem. He said, okay. He did it and goes, man, that's amazing. I didn't know you could leave the, and some of you in here know that, but I learned through a previous problem. And I said, wow, if God is for me, who can ever be against me? Even in tough times, God is with you and he teaches you something. Even through things that frustrate you, you got to pay money, you made a mistake, God taught you something. I learned a lesson with that fence. Learned a lesson with that vehicle. I've learned lessons here and there. And sometimes I repeat my mistakes. How about you? And then there are those moments, though, where you make an inner vow. You all have done it, and you go, I'm never doing that again. Hide. My mom used to say, hide and watch. She'd say, you just hide and watch. Here's what's going to happen. If, we, if you do this, here's what's going to happen. So I, here's what I say. Hide and watch. I'm never going to do that again. And you learn. And you say, God is with me no matter, no matter what. There's tough times. Psalm 6511 says, even the hard pathways drip with abundance. Tough times and God's still blessing. So if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's go to the next verse. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us every, everything else? Now, does this mean God's going to give you four or five mansions, tons of cars and stuff like that? No, God is actually looking beyond that. He's going to give you what you need in life and bless you. He is. I don't think everybody in this room is going to end up being rich one day and having millions of dollars. I, I just don't believe it. But I know this. If you like it and you can use it and you're a blessing to others, God will bless you and he'll give you several of the same. If you need three cars or want three cars, God will bless you with that, I'm sure. 
You say, I want to have a house. I want to pay my house off. I want to have a house and a rental house. God will give you that. I believe that. He will bless you, bless you, bless you according to your faith and your giving. But God was looking even beyond millions of dollars in riches. You say, man, won't he give us everything else? What God is promising here is a victorious life and then eternity with him. Don't you think that's everything else? Because once your heart stops. Guys, there's a statistic that's just in. There's a statistic. I don't know if you've heard the statistic, but 100% of everyone dies. You ever heard that statistic? If Jesus does not return for us in this lifetime, we're going to pass on and go be with him in heaven. You come to a point, you age. Things change, right? But God is faithful. He's with you, and look at what he's promised. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? What is everything else? I believe God has promised you health. According to Scripture, I do believe God has promised you blessing, financial and relational blessing, and emotional blessing, and spiritual blessing. According to Scripture, he's promised you all these things and eternal life. That's everything else. That's all you need. And he's covered it all in his, his word. So what do you need in life as a believer? Stay connected. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. All right? You've got to get to know what the word says. I actually pirated this statement I, from someone. I'm stealing it. And I told someone this before church. You don't have to study all the religions of the world to know what's off and what's crazy and what ain't right. All you need to do is study the word to know the truth. Because when a counterfeit shows up, you'll recognize it. FBI agents, when they're training their, their anti-counterfeiting unit, I was going to say counter-counterfeiting, I don't know what they call them. Those that they, they go after counterfeiters. Do you think they train them with counterfeit bills? No. They train them with genuine money. When I worked at the bank, our training for spotting a counterfeit was we knew exactly what a real $100 bill felt like. Touched it every day. Smelled that stinky money. It turned your hands dark, dark brown and black. Why? Because it's so filthy, the money. And counting, counting, counting thousands of dollars every day when I worked at the bank. 18 all the way to the time I was 19 years of age, worked at the bank. Said, oh, did they teach you to spot a counterfeit by looking at counterfeits? No. I looked at the truth. And the truth was, I could see $100 bills, and I counted dozens of those $100 bills in 50s and 20s and 10s and 5s and 1s every day. And I'm telling you right now, you could give me a counterfeit, most likely, and the real thing, and I could close my eyes and probably tell you what the real one is because I've been exposed to the truth. And God has given us everything else. Part of everything else is the truth. The world doesn't have that. They don't have the truth. They're, they're debating silly things. They don't know. They're up and down. Their truth changes. Oh, here's a new scientific finding. And if you notice, scientific findings always back up Scripture. We've been talking about this Bible, praise God, for 2,000 years. We haven't been alive that long, but the church of Jesus been talking about the Word 2,000 years. Plus, they talked about the Old Testament before that, thousands of years ago, and we've always known the truth, and science supports Scripture. God has given us everything else. Truth, blessing, life, hope, and eternal life. All right? Everything you'll ever need. Let's go to verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? 
No one, we're going to linger here a minute, no one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. If you are walking with God, don't you worry about someone accusing you of anything. I've been accused of odd things. Oh man, Dad, over the years, I'll never, I'll never forget this one. This is, you're going to like this one. I, I shared this testimony in Bible study last night. I won't get into the full story, but through the power of the Spirit, God spoke to Dad years ago, and Dad and Mom were able to build this building debt-free. Pay the building off next door. At one point, the church owned the motel across the street. We used it to house staff and to help people out. The whole block belongs to the church, and it's debt-free. And that's a miracle. But God did that. And over the course of time, you know, people assume because the pastor's here pastoring for so long, they think he owns it. Well, Dad doesn't own the property in the building. It's owned by Kingsgate Church and Centro Victoria. It's officially the church's property, all right? But over the years, I remember someone going, hey, man, someone told me, they told me this one time. I was working out in the business world here in town, and someone said, they said pastors dealing drugs, selling drugs. I was like, wait, uh, you realize that pastor won't even take Tylenol. Dad won't even take a pill of anything. He went to the doctor one time, and they gave him some pills, and he felt dizzy. He's like, I'm, I'm off these right now. He hated them. But he was dealing drugs. What, how does that even? So, oh, yeah. I'm like, just because he has a mafia-looking hair and he wears teardrop shades? Looks like an Italian boss of some kind? Where do people come up with this? They can accuse you of whatever is my point. Who dares accuse you because God has chosen you as his own? Just outlive the critics. Outlast the critics. I've had people say some weird stuff about me. I remember this one. This didn't offend me too much, but it was kind of weird. It was long before I married Jen. This was like 2003. I bumped into some old friends, and they're like, Matt, why didn't you tell us? And I went, tell you what? Man, we heard you got married. I was like, I'm not even looking to get married right now. And I don't have a ring on. They're like, yeah, but you know, I'm like, no, I'm not married. You can come and hear it straight, like they say, from the horse's mouth. But I'm not married. Who dares accuse us of anything? And I know that sounds funny because that's just an odd example and that didn't affect me much. But I've heard people say strange stuff. So I'm sure they've said strange stuff about you that wasn't true. That's an accusation. All right? That's Satan's plan. But I love this. Who can accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself now you got to aim for living right be faithful to the lord walk with god and these accusations don't matter if you're you ain't living right and people are accusing you i had people over the years said man i was at the bar and they started saying stuff about about me i'm like i'd be saying stuff about you too what are you doing hanging out at the bar so well it wasn't like that i know but it looked bad so now look no one can accuse you if you walk with god for God himself has given us right standing with himself. God himself, by the blood of Jesus, has made you right with him. Isn't that powerful? And we've got to have a revelation about that because many times we beat ourselves up. I don't know how you are, but when I mess up, I'm very hard on myself. Too much, I think. I'm naturally very hard on myself. People have told me before, oh, psychologically, that's your birth order. You're the firstborn, and that's why you're hard on yourself. I'm like... Probably everybody's hard on themselves. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't worry about accusations. You remember you're right with God because he made you right with himself.
you need a revelation of that. You need to pray that God give you a revelation that by the blood of Jesus, you are right with God forever. And because you're right with God, you practice right living. Somebody say amen. Verse 34. Who then will condemn us? Oh, that's another strong word. So you got accuse and then condemn. Accuse in 33, verse 33. Now you got condemn in verse 34. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Scripture says there is only one mediator between God and mankind, and that is the man Christ Jesus. What's a mediator? A go-between. Thousands, excuse me, thousands of years ago, in the book of Job, Job was going through a trial. You remember the story? And he said, oh, that there was... I wish there was someone, God, to stand between me and you and set a hand on both of us. Man, he prophesied the coming of Jesus. He said, I need, I need, basically, I need a lawyer with God. I need to lawyer up with God because, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I need someone who can communicate with you in perfection and communicate with me where I'm at because I don't understand this. And guess what? God answered that prayer. That was a prophecy. That was a prophecy because now we have Jesus. Now you have someone to go between you and God. And if we didn't, we'd all just be under judgment. Y'all know that. You've studied the word. Without Jesus, this would not be the age of grace, they call it. All right? We'd be in big trouble. Now, keep hide and watch, like Mom said, but revelation's coming, and God will judge the world. People say, oh, man, only God can judge me. Remember we talked about that on Sunday? Somebody misspelled their tattoo. Only God can juke me. I don't even know what that means. Just He forgot the, the D. But only God can judge me. Oh, yeah, God is the righteous judge, and Jesus will judge the planet at some point. That's why we want to make sure we're right with him by faith in Jesus, all right? But no one can condemn you. Why? For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, advocating for us, taking up our case, He's reminding God the Father, said, look, these people are all forgivable now because of my blood. And he sent the Holy Spirit, who is also the advocate. The Holy Spirit will always turn you toward Jesus and say, remember the words of God, that you're going to be all right. You're going to make it. He will lead us into all what? Truth. All right? Let's go to verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Real quick review. Scripture says the way of the transgressor is hard. Those that sin, their lives are just filled with trouble. You've seen people. They're in and out of jail. They're struggling. There's abuse. There's this. There's that. There's this. It's, it's amazing. You say, wow, what is going on? Well, that's the life of the sinner. But at the same time, you say, well, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So whether you serve God or not, you're going to have trouble. But with God, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Scripture also says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from all their troubles. So you can have trouble with or without God, but with God, you are delivered. Without God, you just got to figure it out. Have you seen people try to figure it out without God? It's one big fat curse. You ever seen it? I'm going to figure it out on my own. 
Oh, you say, oh, they're rich. They got it all. No, they're cursed in some er other area of their life. Oh, they got all the money. Yeah, but then their kids hate them. Oh, they got all this. But then there's another problem, tax evasion. I've watched people over the years who say they have it all together. They don't. They don't. There's always something wrong. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through stuff. You're going to go through stuff, but God will always take care of you and deliver you. Somebody say amen. Always. Always. Say, man, is God mad at me now? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Oh, no, he loves you forever. Forever. Let's go to the next verse. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. <laughs> you ever felt like that? Oh, man, it's just a slaughterhouse. We're just, it's one thing. I, I remember, man, there's been times in my life, and I said, Lord, it's been one season after another of challenges. Have you felt that way? I said, Lord, we just finished this one. I said, oh, man, oh, let, me, let me take a deep breath. And you took a deep breath, and then the roller coaster went, poof, and dropped again. Ah, that's how it feels sometimes in life. You say, man... Pastor Matt, you're talking about serving God? Oh, yes. I've served God faithfully for years, and it's been one season of challenge after the other, and God just keeps working on me. I must need the work. I don't know about you, but I need the work, and God is hes working on us. All right? For your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. My goodness, what a statement there. Verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. That means ultimately you will win. If you keep the faith, you will win on this planet, and then you go to heaven, and you'll be the ultimate winner. You say, man, I don't know if we can do it. No, you can figure it out. You may not feel like it. And remember, emotions are bad, bad, bad leaders, aren't they? You ever done what you felt like doing in the moment, and it was not the answer? We all have a battle in our mind, regardless of where we are in life. You've got a battle in your mind, and there's different levels of renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? You exchange your thoughts for God's thoughts. Where are God's thoughts? You have a book full of God's thoughts. Read it. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ now and throughout eternity because he loved us. All right? Verse 38. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. He says it again. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. So don't be blaming the devil. You've heard that growing up. Maybe you still heard it or you blame the devil. Oh, it was the devil. No, we have a choice. It all comes down to us. Your biggest battle is not with the enemy because Satan's been defeated. Your biggest battle is in your mind. Joyce Meyer calls it the battle of the mind. She wrote a book about it. Neither death nor life can separate you from God's love. Neither angels nor demons can separate you from God's love. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow can separate you from God's love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Is that clear enough? Man, that is a powerful verse, and it's so clear. Let's look at the next verse. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What about how I feel? What about an accusation? What about someone trying to condemn me? What about all this? This text, Romans 8, 31 through 39, just handled everything in life, basically. In just about eight verses, it told us, you know what? Here's the truth of the matter. God has given us and promised us everything else, and nothing can separate you from his love. You can reject the Lord and his love. 
but nothing in this life in heaven or hell can separate you from his love. Nothing. I don't know about you, but that's good news. I take that as some of the best news in history. Any questions tonight before I close in prayer? I'd be shocked if you had a question. But you're always welcome. I'm just testing you. All right, let's pray. Let's bow our heads and let's close in prayer tonight. God is faithful. The God you serve, He loves you. He is faithful. He says in the book of Isaiah, He said, I will be your God when you are young. And He said, I will be your God when you are old and gray. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. He said, I will rescue you. I will help you. I will save and deliver you. And the same God who saved you is strong enough to keep you. You remember that. The same God who saved you is strong enough to hold on to you forever. He's asked us in Scripture in different times. He said, is the arm of the Lord shortened? Or is the arm of the Lord weak that it cannot save? Is it not strong anymore? No. He's got the longest arm in the universe. He can always reach you where you are, and he's always strong enough to deliver you. And he's strong enough to hold on to you forever. If you felt like you're far from God because of some mistakes you've made lately, I want you to pray on your own tonight. Want to do something different? Tell the Lord you're sorry. Go ahead. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Cleanse me and forgive me. And you are right back to where you need to be with him. You are in right standing with him. Scripture says if we confess our sins, this is in 1 John chapter 1. It was a letter written to believers, Christians like yourselves. said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So tell the Lord you're sorry tonight. And then I'm going to simplify on accepting Jesus. I believe everybody in this room has accepted the Lord. If there's anyone watching tonight, listening, here's how you accept Jesus. It's real simple. You call upon the name of the Lord. You say out loud, I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then you believe that He rose from the dead after dying for your sins. That's how you get saved. Say, saved? What is saved? Saved from sin, saved from yourself, and saved from hell. You will live a victorious life on this planet and go on to be with Jesus. But the first step is making sure you're right with God by placing your faith in Jesus. So how do I get saved once again? Say out loud, I believe, Lord, that you are my Lord and Savior. And then believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. That's how you come to know the Lord, and that's the first step. And then, with God's help, you live like it. Go to church. A church where the Word is taught, like this church, or some other place. But a church where the Word is taught, be connected there and serve there. Show up, and then read the Word and pray. It's real simple. The life of a believer According to Scripture, his yoke is easy because he carries you. He pulls the load with you. If you study oxen, you know they put, they put a younger ox with an older, more mature ox, and the older, more mature ox who is experienced pulls the bulk of that load. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because God's doing most of it for you anyway. You know you would have not gotten this far without him. You'd have been dead already. Me too. We wouldn't have made it. You are a miracle, and so am I. We thank you tonight, Father, for your word. We thank you for your promises, and we thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Give us a hunger for your word, Lord, now more than ever, because times for many people 
Not for the people of God, but for many people, they are very uncertain. Give us grace in the face of danger and uncertainty, God. We know that you've promised it, so we receive it. Your empowerment to do what's right. Your empowerment to live right. Your empowerment, God, to make wise decisions. That's your grace. Your empowerment to live out a life righteously. And as we live righteously, we will walk in holiness, which means we're separate from the world. We thank you, Father, for tonight. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.